Aloha, welcome. Uh, we were riding the elevator up the 29th floor, and I heard him talk to his friend about how he had just turned 55, and everything in his life was falling apart. And I said, you know, I think you could use my coaching into elderhood. And he, and he said, coaching for aging? He said, I need, I need to be coached on how to stay young again, how to stay youthful and sexy and rich and keep doing the things that I love to do. I'm Larry Grimm and my program is Elderhood, Aging Gracefully. And today I would like to, first of all, give my deepest thanks to ThinkTech Hawaii for the opportunity that they have afforded me to come to you and share these concepts, these spiritual tasks that I think are essential to making your elderhood a, uh, a real and wonderful experience of life. I uh, have very much appreciated their partnership, their collaboration in doing this. And uh, right now, this will be a hiatus for my program for a while until the next year as they move into Think Tech Hawaii 3.0, a new program format and a new, a new office space. So I'm looking forward to their new studio as well. However, um, during this time today, uh, I wanted to tell you, first of all, that guy was right. He doesn't need my coaching to age. You don't need my coaching to age. You're going to age. You're going to age, and uh, the difference is, do you want to age with uh, a sense of joy and a sense of confidence and a sense of uh, power that you can have uh, by addressing and by enabling um, with, with my partnership, enabling you to um, involve, uh, process the inner dynamics of this aging process. There are all kinds of resources externally that we offer. People on the island can access and they are beautiful and wonderful resources. And certainly some of them will are be important and I, I wouldn't, uh, by any means, uh, I wouldn't short shrift any of those or discount any, the importance of any of those external programs and things that are offered. But I think one of the things that I offer that I think is more of a niche for me is that I can relate to the uh, inner process, and that's what I'm focused on in these uh, five spiritual tasks. I have been a chaplain with um, Bristol Hospice. I'm entering into my third year now with Bristol Hospice as a chaplain providing spiritual care for, uh, for that community. And I have loved every, every year of it, every, every hour of it. It's been challenging for me, but it has also been so very rewarding. And I want to encourage any of you who might be at a point of wondering about hospice care, either for yourself or for a loved one, to uh, go to the website bristolhospice-hawaii.com and check out our hospice offerings. I'm very proud of that, of that corporation and I'm very proud to be a part of that, um, that work, which is significant work of caring for the dying and their families. So check that out. But I'm also here because I am, as I am a coach, a live coach. I have and captured by this idea of aging, and not just aging, but <clears throat> an idea of elderhood. <clears throat> I mentioned 
<clears throat> in other parts of my, uh, <clears throat> my program presentations that we have a childhood, we have adolescence, we have adulthood, and we have elderhood. We approach elderhood as a stage, and when we do that, we can see that there are some tasks or some focuses that we, foci that we can pay attention to. And when we do pay attention to those, and I think it helps to have somebody to work with you, work with me on paying attention to them, uh, then, uh, then that opens up that stage of life to be so full and so rich and so wonderful, really. Um, but today I'd like to open up to you the benefits, uh, open your mind to the benefits of coaching. Now, I have some qualifications. Uh, I, have been, I have been a minister in the Presbyterian Church for, for more than 40 years. And all the churches that I have served have had a major population of gray-haired people all through my 40-some years. So I've worked with, very closely with, with elders and elderhood people in elderhood all through my career, and have long appreciated the, the wisdom and the experience of those folks and how their contribution to this world and certainly in terms of my life as well and my work with them. So I do know that there is a richness from just knowing those folks, knowing folks who are in elderhood. I also have qualification of... of uh, of um, listening, knowing how to listen, and to listen to, with empathy to identify where you're, you are at. I've served as a professional chaplain in long-term care, and now in hospice care, have done hospice care before, and in Denver, Colorado, and then hospice care here for three years. And uh, the training in hospice, professional hospice training, uh, chaplaincy training, is to, uh, Meet the person where they're at, to accept them, and to see where they are at, and to and to be a, offer partnership, offer accompaniment through the journey that that person's going through, and that's what I do in my coaching as well. I bring all those skills of active listening, of caregiving, of um, knowledge, of human development and personal development into the relationship with my coach coaching clients. The third thing is that I have, have had some uh, specific training in life coaching. When, wherever you go with a life coach, you'll have basically some of the same program and benefits. There's some standard approaches that, that uh, you would find familiar in coaching with me as you would with other kinds of coaching. And uh, so the format is dependable, and I have had some professional training and how to approach that as well. And then the final qualification, I think, for my coaching is that I'm well into my own elderhood. I'm, th I'm there. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm living it. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> looking to others for, for coaching my, me in that process of elderhood so that I go through it with all the richness and wonder that I can possibly have, too. What are the benefits of coaching, using me for coaching? Well, there are lots of benefits, and I will turn my attention to those <clears throat> uh, later in our program, as I also will ha enable you to be able to know what the program expectations you could have of my coaching program. But first, what, we, what is the problem we face 
Well, we face a problem as human beings. In some ways it's social, but in some ways it's just basically human. <clears throat> what is the first game? What is the first game we learn to play as human beings? Peekaboo. It's peekaboo. We want to hide and be found. We want to play hide and go seek. We played hide and go seek in my backyard as I was growing up for hours and hours in the evenings up until the time it grew dark. Hide and go seek. And that's how we play. That's one of the most um, universal games of our human experience because as we age, we actually get more sophisticated at playing hide and go seek or hide and seek. We, uh, as adolescents, what do we do? Well, as adolescents, we push the limits. We push the boundaries, uh, sometimes of law, sometimes of rules, or a corporate, um, for school or institutional rules. We push the boundaries, and, uh, and we uh, kind of, with the hopes that we are covering our tracks well, and that nobody's going to find out. Nobody will find out when I cover my track. Nobody will know that I've, that I've been caught. Nobody will catch me. The worst thing to be for an adolescent is to be caught. Then they go, ah, oh, on it. I thought I covered it. So we do play hide and seek as adolescents, but it gets even more sophisticated as, as adults because as adults we are able to, hmm, we become kind of magicians. You know what a magician does. The way a magician works is, is that he'll hold the coin here, and um, the coin disappears, but it's actually here. So it's look here, look here while I hold, look here while I hold the coin here. Look over here. Be distracted with this while this hand is at work. <coughs> and that's that's just a just a metaphor for how we like to continue in a more sophisticated pattern of, of hiding, and seek, hide and seek. Um, <clears throat> we like to think that we are elusive, that we won't be caught with aging. And yet, when you stand in front of that mirror, and I stand in front of the mirror in my bathroom, and I look at my mirror and I say, who is that guy? Somebody come here. Somebody got a stranger in my bathroom, and he's old. There's no, no getting around it. We're going to age. And it's going to show up in our bodies and in our, our uh, functioning. It's going to show up in our social relationships, because there is such a thing as ageism, which we experience in our societies. And it's going to show up in our attitudes also. Um, and I say it especially becomes critical and difficult if we, if we uh, don't pay attention to what comes up in our lives, and internally in particular. You know, when we were kids, we believed in Santa Claus when we were children. When we were teenagers, we laughed about Santa Claus. When we became adults, we became Santa Claus. And now in elderhood, we look like Santa Claus. <laughs> Cannot get around the fact that we are change, that we are aging. Can't get around that, but you can decide what your attitude will be about your aging. And that's where my work comes in. 
to enable you to go through this process with a consciousness and a processing of some of the emotional, spiritual dimensions that are inherent in this, what I think are inherent in this aging process. When it's a, it's a, we enter into what's called the sage stage in Hindu thinking. The Hindus looked at life as four stages, four stages that they had. So the first stage was we're a student, we're learners, we are, spend our lives uh, discovering and understanding. The second stage is producing, we produce something, and it's kind of a householding stage. We can develop a household, we develop an economy. Uh, kind of an interesting aside is that the Greek word for uh, house and household is oikos. And from that word, we get economy, oikonia, oikomia. Uh, so <clears throat> this householding is, a, is inherent, again, in our human experience. I mean, from students, we become householders or productive people. We build businesses. We build uh, our wealth. We build our purposefulness in life. We are involved in contributing to the world in which we live. The third stage in the Hindu thought is we become wanderers. We, we get to the point where we say, um, I'm not sure what this is all for. What's all this about? Back in the uh, 60s, we had that song from Burt Bacharach. I think it was Burt Bacharach. What's it all about, Alfie? Alfie? Is it just for the moment we live? <laughs> What's it all about? When it started out, <clears throat> Alfie, isn't there something more to life than just making money? What is the purpose of this productivity? And the Hindu thought the person went out into the wilderness. They went out into the forest, actually. And out in the forest began to ask the questions of what is this all about? Who am I? What do I, what, what, how do I make sense of this life? And they may spend years doing that. <clears throat> it's a solitary event which they go through. And then, after they've had their time in the wilderness and know that they're ready to return, they come back to the village for the fourth stage. And the fourth stage is the stage of the sage of wisdom. They bring their sagacious, their sagacious understanding, their, their wonderful, rich understanding of life, back to the village. And they say to the villagers, here's what I offer. Here's what I now have to offer. And in exchange for their uh, <clears throat> for their sage wisdom, they receive sustenance. They receive uh, rice in their bowl. They receive a place to sleep. And that's the way in which Hindu thinking thinks about life. And when we're in elderhood, we're in that sagacious stage, that sage stage, I like to call it too. That stage when we are, have something unique to offer, and that is. Um, that is our, our, our intelligence and well-being that we bring into that stage. In other places, I've seen that there are two ways of looking at life, that stage of life. You can go be an airplane high above the clouds of a thunderstorm, look for an opening, and dive down to land. And that's a terrifying experience. Or you can start out over the ocean, coming into Honolulu, and have a nice glide down to the landing pad. That's the kind of thing I want to do with you in my coaching. We're going to take a break for about a minute, give a chance for uh, people to see some more about ThinkTech.
And don't forget to donate to Think Tech Hawaii. Thanks to our Think Tech underwriters and grantors, the Atherton Family Foundation, Carol Monley and the Friends of Think Tech, the Center for Microbial Oceanography Research and Education, Collateral Analytics, the Cook Foundation, Dwayne Carisu, the Hawaii Community Foundation, the Hawaii Council of Associations of Apartment Owners, Hawaii Energy, the Hawaii Energy Policy Forum, Hawaiian Electric Company, Integrated Security Technologies, Galen Ho of BAE Systems, Kamehameha Schools, MW Group, the Scheidler Family Foundation, the Sydney Stern Memorial Trust, Volo Foundation, Eureko J. Sugimura. Thanks so much to you all. Aloha from Honolulu. We're back with Elderhood, Aging Gracefully. I'm Larry Grimm. In the rest of this program, the, the program that you have before you, which my other, other uh, videos in which I interview most people, people on most of them, uh, they're organized around what I call five spiritual tasks. These are observations I've made that, with people that I've worked with, that there are five spiritual tasks that present themselves uh, at this time of life. Uh, you, you, you'll get more of the exposure to those. Um, in the other videos, and also uh, as you do uh, the uh, coaching with me. But let me just briefly review those. The first one that I've noticed is grieving. We do more grieving than we think we're ever going to do. Uh, and the grief experience is um, a grief experience that keeps coming back sometimes and revisiting us. And we wonder why don't we get over some of this. For one thing, grief increases. There's a number of reasons that we get are experiencing this grief. Maybe loss of a job, maybe loss of an identity, maybe loss of a relationship, loss of children sometimes, loss of friends and family members as we age into elderhood. Suddenly we find our life has more losses uh, than we thought we'd ever experience. It's not supposed to be a time of loss. I've spent all my life gaining these things. Now, they seem to be falling away, but they're not. Well, it's not huge. I mean, it is huge, but what's even huge, more difficult is the experience of, of the grief that goes along with that. So part of coaching is to learn how to live with grief, live with grief, and to uh, process through it and recover from that grief. So that's part of the coaching, first part. Second part has to do with our stories. We have stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves. Who are you? It's very likely that you have a story where you start off and saying something like, well, I always do such and such, or I never such and such. But if you look closely at that statement, you'll find that always is not accurate and never is not accurate. And that part of what we do is tell ourselves these stories as a way of, of shaping who we are in the everyday life that we live. And it may be from an event in the past that we need to 
process and think about and get derive something of importance to it. Maybe something we need to reconcile, some aspect that we need to um, revisit our lives. What are the stories that help shape who you are? And what are the new stories that you want to take on in this elderhood time? We sort out our stuff when we get to elderhood. You know, you looked around the house and you think, how did I get all this stuff? But every piece of that stuff has a story attached to it. And you'll, you'll uh, determine what to do with the stuff in accordance with the stories that you have atta emotionally attached to those. So you can always look at those stories and figure out where you are and what you want to keep, what you want to discard, what you want to rewrite, actually. The third thing, <clears throat> the third spiritual task, and I call them spiritual tasks, but if that sounds like too much work, let's call them spiritual discoveries, because that's part of what happens in coaching is this discovery. So the third thing is forgiving. I'm not talking about a religious mandate that you've got to go out forgive if you don't feel like forgiving. I'm talking about a kind of human impulse that arises that people have a need to forgive, not to forget, but to forgive, and not to reconcile, but to forgive so that they themselves, we ourselves are set free from the burden of revenge or anger or, uh, or accountability that we hold over someone else. You can unilaterally forgive, and we look at that in the coaching. Because it can be very binding, not forgiving somebody. You can bind yourself up, not forgiving others, not forgiving yourself. The fourth thing is preparing. Now, there are lots of ways that we look at preparing. And in my programs, I look at the externals of preparing uh, from um, a healthy program, coaching in a health program, to um, preparing for uh, the help of a, a social worker, hospice care for nursing, for a place to live as we age, thinking about these things in concrete terms so that we're not caught by surprise when we come down through those clouds and suddenly hit the runway. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, preparing. There's lots of things to do in preparing externally, but also there's an internal preparation, and that internal preparation is how do you envision your life? How do you envision your life in this life, but also in the life to come? How do you envision your elderhood in this life and also in the life to come? Uh, many people think about the things that they learned as children and suddenly have a surge of, whoa, wondering what heaven is about and hell is about, or wondering if, how, it's going to, how they're going to experience this life after life process. But we'll look at that, too, in our coaching. And then the fifth thing is letting go. I have wandered the halls of my hospice in Denver area, and I had a um, patient daughter come out in the hallway and say, you know, mom is just so strong. She just will not let go. And letting go is very, very difficult for us in the, in the uh, elderhood process. We have so much that we find ourselves having to let go. It can be the things that we've lost, the things that have been taken from us, or the things that we have aside even. And even if it's the best thing for us, we still have, have a grief and a, a need to let go. So those are the things that um, the five tasks and the five discoveries that you'll have as you do um, 
coaching with me. And here's what the program consists of. First of all, contact me. Contact me with the telephone number or the uh, email address you see below, and I will respond. I'll be in touch with you, and I'll give you a, a one-hour conversation on the phone, and we can get to know each other and begin building trust. And then I'll invite you to a six-month-long online webinar in aging, aging gracefully. And it's the concepts that are in this program that I've been putting out in this program, but we'll look at each one uh, particularly. And I hope that you'll have um, a, a webcam so that we can see each other in video conferencing. That's when I have the best relationship. Then, and or, or if even sooner than that, we can contract for one-on-one -on -one coaching online and um, do that one-on-one -on -one coaching on an hourly basis. And then finally, there'll be a, one on, a monthly online SAGE meeting, meeting of SAGE people, meeting of the SAGEs, the elderhood. And we'll have a chance to share with one another our journeys in elderhood. So it begins with contacting me at that email or telephone number. And I hope you will uh, do that soon. And we can start this process. I'll, we'll talk about terms on the telephone. And generally, good, a good framework is of six weeks is a good framework to think of, so that at the end of six weeks, we reevaluate what's been helpful for you, what's been good, what hasn't been helpful. And, uh, and, and what to continue with or, or, or leave behind. So the principal benefit of what you will experience is to undergo a transformation. Transformation is growth. You've seen that bumper sticker, perhaps. Aging is mandatory, growth is optional. Well, I'm offering, offering you this opportunity for growth in your elderhood. Uh, I'm, you're, you are the actor, of course. I'm just the director. I come alongside you and listen to what you have to offer and what your um, best skills are, what your orientation is. And then we expand on it, elaborate it. And you'll come out of six weeks, I believe, feeling confident, feeling grounded, feeling stronger and more excited about this elderhood experience and making it what you want, something that's so real and so wonderful that you never thought it could happen. Two years ago, I landed in Hawaii. I've been in Colorado 25 years. I've wanted my children to just set me on a mountaintop and say, I'll die there, don't worry about me. And then I ended up coming to Hawaii and unbeknownst to me, I ended up applying for work with uh, Bristol Hospice, was hired to be a chaplain, something that I love doing. And, and it's in my elder, I came out of retirement to engage again in something that's part of who I am as, as a minister and as a um, pastoral care person. I drive an electric vehicle, which is consistent with my values with the environment. I have an opportunity to uh, care for people and to uh, reach out. Anyways, I've started singing again. I had a, I'm taking voice lessons from, uh, <clears throat> from a local teacher, and I'm singing in a choral group. My life is so rich and wonderful. I want yours to be that way as well. Larry Grimm, Aging Gracefully, Elderhood is for you.